Hey all you cool cats and kittens, it's Maddie Farrell here at the Impact 89 FM with some of my friends here to talk about the pilot episode of Tiger King. So watch it right now if you don't want spoilers for episode one, otherwise listen on. So I'm going to have my friends introduce themselves. Matt, would you like to go first? <laughs> yes, I would. I'm Matt. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Who wants to go next? <laughs> I'll, I'll, go in more, I'll go more in depth on myself. Luke Sloan, 5'11", 19 years old, sports director at The Impact, brown hair, blue eyes for context, 175 pounds, and pretty much everything. All the information that Matt needed to give, I just handed out. Okay, okay wait, I can add a little more. Um, okay. Athletic, also 5'11", that's all. Okay, that's all that matters. Okay, next up. I'll keep it short. Oh, Matt. Oh, go ahead, Sarah. Go ahead. Oh, God, take I'm, the spotlight. It's fine. I'm Sarah Kaczynski. Um, <laughs> I am 5'7", just while everyone's including their height, and I do audio and video at Impact. Um, I'm Carol Baskin's fifth cheetah print cardigan. My name is Abby. I'm also on the audio and video team at Impact. How tall are you? Five, six. Do you think I, Carol's actually that tall? Hmm, no, she seems like a five nine. Oh, geez. Oh, I was, I was gonna say five that. four. Yeah. yeah. No, I wouldn't say five four. I'd say she looks like five six. Her husband's not that you know what, maybe five eight, because her husband's not that much taller, from what I can tell. Doesn't look like lanky. he's pretty lanky. Um and I am mm-hmm. five six as well. I'll just throw that in there. All right. So Let's get into the episode. For those who don't know, Tiger King on the surface is about a zookeeper, Joe Exotic, who goes to prison for a murder for higher plot. But when we really get into it, there are so many stories jam-packed in there concerning murder, arson, polygamy, suicide, drug deals, and more importantly, the treatment of tigers and animals in captivity. And that's really what the first episode, I think, really focuses on is about the animals which I liked, and I didn't even, like, pay attention because I was so wrapped up in the, like, cast of characters or real people. But how did you guys initially get interested into the show? I mean, I saw it trending, and my sister watched it, and she said, this is the craziest thing that you will ever see in your whole life. And so I was like, well, then I got to watch it. I watched the first episode with my friend, and we were both like, hold on, this is really crazy. Like, I feel like in each episode, I feel like ends on a cliffhanger. So you, like, have to keep going because you're like, wait. Like, so that's how I got interested mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, I got into it, too, for my sister since of quarantine and what's going on. She had a lot of time on her hands, so she watched the whole series in one day. And then she was like, you guys got to watch it. So we had, like, family nights where we watched episodes, and it was just very addicting. And, I, you know, you hear about all the memes and tweets. So I was like, I got to watch this. I feel like the most common quarantine family activity is, like, getting together at, like, 7 or 8 o'clock and, like, watching Netflix. I did not do that, but I, I, I heard about it over a podcast. And then I also saw it on Twitter where I absorbed most of my information from. But, honestly, that's the most typical quarantine activity. Yeah, kind of same answer. Uh, just a lot of peer pressure. A lot of my friends whose opinions I trust spoke highly of it and – it was the only thing anyone talked about on Twitter, for like, and I like being included, so I binged the whole thing in like 24 hours. Yeah, I was actually like making the playlist for my DJ show, Movie Night, shameless plug, uh, and I was making it, this week's theme was about true stories, so 
I was just like, I mentioned that to my family. And then my aunt was like, you have to include a Joe Exotic song in there. And I was like, who is that? And so <laughs> I watched one episode and by the morning I had watched six episodes and mm-hmm. I only had one left in the season. And it was kind of crazy. And I knew who Joe Exotic was. Never got to do that episode, but that will include Joe Exotic when I do get to do it. Favorite Joe Exotic song, go. I saw a tiger. Mm. Your Kitty Kitty is my first. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Your Kitty Kitty, Kitty. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the, uh, I don't remember the name. Which one is the Carol Baskin diss track? I hate you, Carol. <laughs> the fact that he thought that was an okay thing to write a whole song about is my favorite right. part. The fact that he did anything in this documentary and what it shows is crazy. I'm fully prepared to hear Joe Exotic songs on the radio, and I'm ready for it. I mean, yeah. We packed. We need to be at the forefront of that. (laughs) Tiger King night. We'll get Joe Exotic for an in-studio. Matt will organize it. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Wait. That would be amazing. I can't, but for reasons that we can't discuss yet. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So the beginning of the episode. It would be a wild out studio for also reasons we can't discuss. Also, I feel like he would fall under the list of, like, problematic artists. Yeah. We got standards at the Impact. We do. (laughs) So let's get into the episode. So all of us have finished watching the show completely, but we're going to try and remain, like, impartial as much as we can and spoiler-free as much as we can. So if anybody slips up and spoils, I'm just going to bleep. So if you hear a bleep, it's either one of us swore or... (laughs) (laughs) so it starts off showing joe exotic in prison well not really showing him you just hear voiceover in prison and you're like oh okay uh so obviously he's in prison and it starts out with this fact that says there are more captive tigers in the united states today than there are in the wild and that fact is so sad they finish off the series with that fact too and it's just like mind-blowing that tigers are not in the wild as much as they are in the U.S. in cages yeah Mm -hmm. well I I think it's sad too because it like they're they're going down so quickly on the list and it it just is is so appalling that we have that many because the estimate was like five to ten thousand tigers in captivity within the U.S. And yet there's like 4,000 in the wild. I personally, I don't think there should be a reason for that. But I'm also, I'm probably what would be described as one of the animal rights people. Um, (laughs) So I'm sure Joe Exotic has my name on a blacklist right now. But I, that was so, oh, that one made me sad. It made me, honestly made me choke up. Yeah, it's very interesting how like when I first saw that, because again, like you said, it's the first, one of the first things you see when the, doc starts and I remember just being appalled by that but then when you watch the rest of the series I think you just kind of cats are still there but you get caught up in the lives of all these people Mm -hmm. that I kind of forgot about that fact so when they brought it back I was like oh my god like that kind of should be a takeaway hopefully people get from this that this needs to be fixed well I think the, the the popular stuff on Twitter is the memes and the funny blinds and the different comparisons people want to make to real life but that is probably the thing that people don't take away from it's just kind of building on that yeah this is kind of in a similar vein like i feel like including that fact at the very beginning is a little misleading because the show really isn't 
about the Tigers as much as you'd be led to believe from the first few minutes. It's way more about the people who own the Tigers. So that fact is less like pointing out the animal conservation side of things as it is just shading all the characters with a certain negativity right from the outset, like making it clear these are not saints that we're going to be following around. Mm -hmm. Right. But I also think that he said, though, like the whoever the filmmaker, he said in the beginning, this was going to be about the big cats in the industry. However, it just turned into this one, I'm sure as we have learned throughout the show as well, probably money based, right? Like it's not like they were like, oh, what are we going to get more money from showing these animals or this crazy guy in his story? You know, but also like, I do think that I don't think it makes up for it, but at the end there, they kind of tried to make up for the lack of, but they also, I don't know. They just thought it was just a weird. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, basically the documentary takes course over five years or so. And we start out in Winniewood, Oklahoma at the GW Zoo, which is where we get introduced to Joe Exotic. I don't know how to say his real last name. It's very complicated. But I don't want to try. I just did it. I think it's like Shrivogal. I'll look it up again. I think you're right, Abby. I think it is something. It's like Vogel. Yeah. G something L. Yeah, lots of times, but I am a slow learner. Yeah. Not a bad move on his part with Joe Exotic. It's not a bad move. It kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit better than. His middle name is A, too. Does anyone know what his middle name is? Mm-mm. It's Joe A and then that abomination of a last name. Joe A. Yeah. Animal? I don't know. No animal? Could you imagine? Animal exotic? I mean, he already changed his last name to exotic. Why not something else relating to animal it? Animal exotic. Yeah, so basically we first get invited, like, seen to the character of Joe. What are your initial, like, reactions to Joe? How would you describe him to someone who has not seen this show? You're going to have to bleep this out. But when he first popped up, I thought, who the f*** is this? Because <laughs> he was popping up with an eyebrow piercing. And he's got, like, all, like, the, he's got the eyeliner and the mullet. But, yeah, he, like, he looks country, but he's got, like, blinged out handcuffs. Like, and he, just the way he was walking around, I was like, who, who is this? And what is this deal? Mm-hmm. I related to him immediately yeah. off the bat because he was <laughs> sitting down for a an interview or something with uh, one of the producers of the documentary, and he didn't want to take off his hat. And I'm yeah. thinking, I don't, I also don't want to take off my hats when I wear them. So I immediately sympathize with him in the beginning. We have a Joe Exotic sympathizer. <laughs> yeah, in, long, in our that's midst. About, that's about the extent of what I can uh, agree yeah. with him. He's like he's like that. a caricature, honestly. Like, I mean, the things he does, like, it just makes sense. Like, when he's interested in cats, you're like, all right, okay, that fits. And then he also, like, when he brought up his interest in magic, I'm like, that also fits. Like, I would see you being interested in magic. Like, of course. So he, like, is a caricature, but all the interest and, like, the way he acts, like, it just, it kind of just fits who he is <laughs> like I didn't question it when a new hobby was brought up my first reaction is that he looked like Kid Rock auditioning for Magic Mike oh my god he does <laughs> he kind of just he seems like your crazy uncle that you see like once every five years yeah who you like love telling people stories about but you don't know how many of them you believe yourself 
He's like a real life Joe Dirt, but <laughs> he really is. The walk, the stare, it's just mm-hmm. an iconic way that he carries himself and you you pick that up right off the bat. Exactly. Like, All of his jewelry, his outfits. It seems like stuff like an actor would add to a biopic to like make somebody more exaggerated and like more of a character, but it's just the way he actually is. Exactly. And even his accent is so funny because he's got that southern accent. And he's got the mullet to match it. So it's just perfect. And as we talked about before, he also does have that singing career uh, full of bops. Like we said, I saw a tiger in here, kitty kitty. They're, the ones we hear in this episode are I saw a tiger. And then there's the first one we hear, but I'm not sure exactly what that song is called. But, you know, maybe I'll just have to purchase the DVD with all 24 songs and have to learn it myself. Wait, Don't forget the music videos, too. There are music videos. I think it's mm-hmm. a, doesn't he like not sing his own songs? Like, isn't it a high school musical? I type? think there's like two people. Yeah, it's like high school yeah. musical one. Yeah, he doesn't sing his own songs. Yeah. Okay, so we'll get those people to come into the station, whoever ghostwrites for him. That, that would actually be amazing. That would be iconic if we did that. So, uh, if you ghostwrote for Joseph Maldonado slash Joe Exotic, uh, call us at the Impact. Um, <laughs> we'd love to have you post-quarantine yes (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah and then through this episode too we do learn more of joe's backstory about him being gay in oklahoma and he attempted suicide but then that ended up him just breaking his back and that led to him living in florida for a while next door to a manager of a zoo who would bring his the baby animals home and he'd let joe feed them and that's really started his fascination with exotic animals and led to him being a big fan of tigers and big cats and opening up his own zoo. Kind of crazy. We even want to call it a zoo. Like you will, you will, listeners, you will see this off the bat. Is it really a zoo? I mean, it's like a jungle gym junkyard mm-hmm. with some big cats and there's some trailers. It's like mm-hmm. trailer park, industrial park with animals. Well, yeah, I feel like when we all think of zoos that we've gone to when we were little, it's, we think of just, like, nice Mm -hmm. paved roads, like, sidewalks, everything is pretty, like, yeah, there are a bunch of cages, but they're all, like, safely far away, the habitats look small, but they look, like, super tropical, but here it's just all, like, dirt, and, yeah, the cages are even just, like, dirt with a small little hut. Mm -hmm. Your tetanus shot. Oh, yeah, you do. See, like, I'll give Joe Exotic that is at least he is always, well, you know, I'm not going to say always real, but he is very, like, he does not care what other people think at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless they're, you know, giving him money or something, I guess. But even then, I feel like he was always like, you animal rights people, you don't do the blah, blah, blah. So, whatever. But like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of just a reflection of him. Like, the fact that you walk in and you're right, there's no tropical. It's not clean like a zoo. It's, like, very nitty-gritty. I feel like that fits him. Like, it's and reflection. it's all just, like, the animals that he wants. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not, like, a big range. Like, it's mostly big cats. Like, when he talks about the number of big cats, I think it's in the hundreds or maybe 200 even. He said he had 227. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots of little cats, too, and that's kind of another thing that they, mm-hmm. or another key piece in this is that the the animals themselves are, are you know, quote-unquote, most valuable to Joe and other zookeepers, again, quote-unquote, 
when they are younger and can like be played with by people that come pay for that kind of another theme that that pops up in the first episode is you know they the these zoos they'll breed these tigers and they will use them when they're young and their cubs to you know entertain people that come and pay for it but then as they get older you know it becomes kind of a theme you know what happens to the tigers when they're older and they're not you know once again quote unquote profitable for the these owners Mm -hmm. that's a really sad part of it yeah It made me question what relationship some of these tigers did have with, like, their mom. Because I know in, like, the wild, like, that's usually a pretty strong relationship among most species is, like, with the, with the cub and the mom. And, like, you know, then there would be scenes where, like, these newborn cubs just, just born are, like, ripped away from their mom. And either they, they grow up kind of, like, with Joe in his house or somewhere else. Or they're, like, immediately held up for pictures and to be held by other people. And it's, like, kind of what... I wonder how that affects them socially later on. Yeah. And at uh, Joe's Zoo, we only really, well, in the first episode, at least, we only really see the tigers and the big cats. But in fact, apparently, I looked this up, this this zoo has a ton of sloths. And I was very upset they were not in the documentary at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also have a lot of, like, monkeys, chimpanzees. Mm-hmm. But we don't get to see a lot of them because, again, they're focused on the cats because that's, like, the biggest issue at hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then uh, we get to meet the slew of coworkers or, like, the people that work for Joe at the GW Zoo. And I think they're some of the funniest bits because they really keep the commentary going. So we got Eric Cowie, who has the biggest potty mouth, and he <laughs> has the longest hair ever, and he keeps it real. I know, Luke, you said that's your favorite of the workers and Matt did you say that was your favorite too yeah that's my favorite too he's just so funny he just like again keeps it real is so straightforward with everybody and I I think he's worked there forever he reminds me of Owen Wilson a little bit (laughs) I see it I see it like a hillbilly Owen Wilson yeah you know all the all the people that that Joe really surrounded himself with at the zoo are very genuine people I don't think you see this across the show Especially when we start talking about Carol, um, I'm gonna let I'm gonna reserve myself on that one until maybe later episodes. But the other places that they visit, the people nece- aren't necessarily as genuine as they are here. I mean, you can like feel their personalities really just come through the screen. Mm-hmm. It definitely kind of felt like a whole. Even though I don't think they were trying to go for this, I don't know what the filmmakers were trying to. But kind of like you know how Jim in the office is like supposed to be the reasonable person. Like it felt like all the workers were just kind of like level headed. <laughs> in the zoo and like where the people were kind of supposed to relate to while we were watching all these zookeepers like interact with each other and just their commentary was hilarious and I feel like it kept it grounded overall while everything crazy was happening. They There's kind of, underlying, go ahead Matt. Oh they kind of play like the the straight man in the comedy routine almost. Mm-hmm. The reason that some of the ridiculousness works is because well I'll say relative but like relatively average people to react to all of it. Mm-hmm. You learn this pretty quickly too. You know, the cast of characters that surround Joe, it might not be as, as innocent as it necessarily seems. You know, they get into what they're paid. They get into the kind of conditions that they live in and the and kind of their backgrounds. And it sounds like in some cases, they're kind of forced into the position that they're into. But I mean, they don't seem like they're that miserable where they are. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times they were initially, first they were initially there for Joe because like this was a new opportunity to go work. But now I feel like they were like, oh, we're here for the animals. We care so much about them. And if we're not here, who's gonna take care of them? So I think they really took on that role. 
And then the next one we're introduced to is John Brinke, and he is the biggest sweetheart ever. I love that man. Mm-hmm. My heart. He is just like, he stays tried and true the whole time to just mm-hmm. being a nice person. He's mm-hmm. a manager. Oh, I love him. I hope he's having a good life now. <laughs> like, I hope. I know. Honestly, that's what I thought too. Like, I just, even for all, like right off the bat, you just get good vibes from him because he just, I don't know. He's just so nice and stuff. And then I'm not going to spoil anything, but I just, as everything goes on, you really just start to feel for that dude. I have, he was one of the people I felt the most for because he just, I mean, they just got wrapped up in all this stuff that they didn't really ask to get wrapped up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you get introduced to him and he's this big, like, seems like a kind of a tough guy, but really he's just like so sweet and he lost both of his legs he loves just like moving around constantly and visiting the tigers. I think it was kind of like, I felt this way too, is like, while all these head zookeepers were kind of dealing with their issues. If anything, I gave a lot of props to these workers because I'm like, I feel like they're the ones who are actually really taking care of the cats and really care for the cat's well-being, you know, while like some of the people who are higher up were just more like showboating and stuff. I'm like, oh, these people, like they really care about the cats and they want to do a good job. I think if there's anyone that we can, like wholeheartedly sympathize with on the show it is john um he's the most level-headed and and like one of you guys said that you know he just kind of kind of gets caught up in kind of all the extra stuff that will happen down the road as you continue to watch and then we get introduced to another worker at the zoo and that is Saf. he keeps it real all the time he has one arm because well i won't say it later but you know maddie oh maddie oh 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 she got herself in the, is that the, not in the first episode? I think in the second. It's yeah. like the, the right from the, the start of the second episode. It's pretty soon. It's pretty yeah. soon. But yeah, Saf's cool. But yeah, Saf has one arm. And they're kind of like the comedic relief for the show. I feel like throughout it, they're part of the comedic relief. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is happening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a fan favorite, I think. And then... We get into the nitty-gritty of it all, which is, you know it, I know it, Joe versus animal rights people, and the Carol Baskin. So. (laughs) That's Carol with an E, folks. Yes, Carol with an E, which (laughs) is kind of weird. So we get introduced to Carol, who, okay, so first off, she says that cats don't belong in cages. And then they're in the cages. They are so small. Don't get hypocrite. me hypocrite. Biggest yeah. hypocrite on the show, folks. Biggest oh, hypocrite. Biggest. Yeah, the biggest hypocrite. Like she. Yeah. Well, and and then like the way that she feeds them too. Like she puts them in an even smaller cage, and it is just the most insane thing to me that she's sitting here going, "Well, you know, like if they're gonna be like, no cage is gonna be sufficient." True, but how are you arguing with Joe Exotic when his cages are clearly a lot bigger than yours Mm -hmm. and yours aren't, like, doing enough? What I was wondering about her facility, too, is because, like, when I was looking into, like, Big Cat Rescue, her place, they kind of were about, like, rescuing these cats and providing them, like, a sanctuary. But I was wondering, because I know there are sanctuaries where, like, they take in sick animals, but then they also really push for, like, release release into the wild and it I don't think it was ever really touched on if she does that or if she just keeps those cats there which 
Yeah, she said, like, I took a direct <laughs> quote from it, and she said, what I do is I fix the problem while they create it. I provide the cats a safe place to live in cages until they die. And in reality, she's part of the problem. I mean, just like Joe profits off of the animals that he has there, she claims the place is a, once again, quote-unquote, sanctuary, when she does not release them back into their natural habitats. Her cages are just like Joe's. And she also profits off people coming in and, and looking at the tigers just like Joe does. She draws crowds and collects money and has merchandise and websites and this and that, which you'll all see, you know, how much this is marketed, but she, you know, might even be more of a victim of that than Joe is, honestly. Mm -hmm. Well, I would argue, are we also to not kind of hypocrites because the show itself is profiting off of the tigers the same way that Carol and Joe are and we're supporting the show. So like, that's true. That's true. And I mean, it makes you wonder, too, how much of of the profits that they're making are going to go to mm -hmm. something like yeah. that are actual, like, uh, programs are actually trying to conserve. Um, yeah. Like, is the show making a difference, or is it just yeah. right. My, thing as the people it's criticizing? Mm -hmm. My hope yeah. is, because I saw some posts, and now I don't know if they deleted it, because I had trouble finding it again, but from Big Cat Rescue specifically, not anywhere else, but, like, the fact that they, it sounded like they lost like a lot of volunteers and donations. Now I'm not trying to be like, oh, run them into the ground, but it sounds like people from seeing this documentary are trying to like, you know, if these businesses can't thrive, then they can't keep these cats in cages anymore. So yeah. hopefully what, it makes a positive effect that way at least. What happens to the tigers if the like reservation or sanctuaries? Well, she, See, that's the hard thing. She is a millionaire, so mm -hmm. I feel like she won't. More like, on that to come. Yeah, she won't <laughs> exhaust. She won't exhaust her resources money-wise, and I think she'll lose a lot of support. But again, like we said, uh, she doesn't have anybody who works for her. Technically, they're all mm -hmm. volunteers, which is crazy. Like they have to another scam. Like, like one, yeah, it's like. It gets shown in other episodes, but, like, I'm just going to touch on it because volunteers have to work their way up the ladder to be, like, the top volunteer, and it's just such a weird thing. Like, why would you dedicate 12 hours of work as a volunteer? It's just, hearing yeah. that was crazy. But, yeah, Carol basically does all the same things that Joe is doing and Doc Antle, minus letting them touch the cats. Like, they can go around and visit the zoo. They pay to go see the cats. They just can't touch them. Right. And you know, Matt, kind of putting a bow on what you were saying, you know, before we move on to other stuff about, you know, the publicity and actually making a difference with the animals, you know, in this episode that you may have watched or are going to watch, you know, the producer or the director, whoever made this, this documentary says, you know, I wanted, I got into this to make a difference about the animals. And then, you know, eventually you will see it does not become about the animals. And then, you know, of course, it's wildly popular, like why we're talking about it right now. If they could parlay that into awareness and parlay that into, you know, you know, making an actual difference, it would kind of come full circle. Yeah, because at the same time, it's like if the show had just been about like protecting tigers, would it have been as popular as it is now? And would it have been able to make such a difference? Exactly. Well, I think that they're like Doc Antle and um, Joe Exotic's argument, though, too, is like, and if these people can hold and touch these animals or I have 15 minutes of their undivided attention and then I can tell them, hey, you can't 
go, you know, we can't keep destroying the rainforests in this, like their homes. Like if you want to keep seeing these, then we have to, you know, keep it going. And it's like, kind of like, well, that's ironic because you're the one breeding these and not releasing them. The mission statement of the show in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like my wonder was that because they're not in the wild and because they're in captivity, do they need human touch that Joe's is getting? Because That's like, what I was thinking too. It's like if they're at least on their last leg of life, like because you, I mean, they show clips of it in there. Honestly, these these tigers really do bond, or not even just the big cats in general. They do bond with the owners like you know so it is a weird thing of like okay but if they're if you already have them shouldn't you may i get not letting the public in because of whatever but if you're the caretaker like at that point they're already raised domestically and are used to human affection and touch so like why take it away mm-hmm. yeah especially yeah. if they're in like such a small cage i'm wondering if they yeah. should be receiving human mm-hmm. touch like that but i don't know I don't know. I don't know everything about tigers, and I feel like I yeah. don't know enough, especially from watching them. I feel like I don't know enough, like, facts about them. Definitely the way they're raised with, like, Doc and Joe, it makes me, like, question how successful they would be then if they were released in the wild because of that's what That's what I was seeing earlier. I think somebody asked, like, what would happen if if they got like all these programs got shut down it's like geez it's almost scary to think that because if they go out into the wild they're they really don't know how to survive so what's going to happen if all these places is shut down we release them and it doesn't really do anything Mm -hmm. but yeah carol is really good with the social media and she that's why she has such a big following because as her husband says, she is the Mother Teresa of cats. So. I feel so bad for Howard. I mean, I know he's bringing it on himself, but Howard, what are you doing, man? I mean, I don't know if I feel that bad for him because he did, he married her. He made he made his choice. It's not like anyone was forcing him to. I mean, I feel like he has a pretty good life getting pampered all the time. That's true. Yeah, but he lives under the constant threat. He doesn't know if he's going to wake up the next day. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to skirt the spoiler as best as I can right now, but you will in a couple episodes you will see Howard on a beach in a, tie, a costume, maybe of of an animal, mm-hmm. uh, wearing something typically worn by a dog with a chain on it, held by his wife. Yep. I, all I've got to say is I'm so prepared to see that Halloween costume next year as a couple costume i'm so prepared for a howard and carol couple costume people are already dressing up like joe exotic like we're all stuck inside so people have nothing better to do (laughs) exactly (laughs) joe exotic kind of just dresses like every diy punk kid from the midwest (laughs) honestly so yeah that's what we saw at least about carol so far and then get introduced to john finley who is one of Joe Exotic's husbands. We no, that she just said one of. Yes, mm-hmm. one of one. Uh, because we only get introduced to John this episode, mm-hmm. but he's been with Joe since 2003 to 2014, so around 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I remember correctly, he does not do a single interview with a shirt on. <laughs> not <laughs> a single one. <laughs> He's in some videos with a shirt on, but not an interview. When he's not an interview, no. And for those who haven't seen the show, uh, he doesn't have 
many teeth, but he does have some. But he's he's pretty funny. He's got a lot of tattoos. He's got a big heart. Mm-hmm. He does have a big heart. He means but <laughs> yeah. He seems like a, he seems like a kind dude, just kind of oblivious. Like there's one this one part I don't even remember what it was, but just something was revealed to him and he's like oh that happened like he didn't even know like the filmmakers revealed something to him and he was he wasn't even aware of that which that that cracked me up because you could just tell he's like oh I didn't know that right well I mean like I think it's again another ironic thing is that he lost his teeth right I don't know if this is a spoiler or not but it like is due to um drug abuse uh provided within the company or whatever and in the beginning joe exotic said that he started doing shows and and carrying these animals around to prevent drug and alcohol abuse so like like i don't know like is it maybe i'm trying not to get too off topic here because i know we're talking about um john right now but that just keep, i just, every time we keep talking about something i just keep thinking like it started out okay but so much got twisted so quickly and I'm not even talking about the show itself like just before like the stuff that happened before they even started this documentary mm-hmm. is absolutely insane this how thing, yeah it's all about profit it's all about money this whole thing makes me think about like the road to hell is paved with good intentions I feel like kind of yeah, yeah. yeah each character a little bit I guess I guess more Joe I felt that way too and even just John just every character kind of has moments where they make choices which definitely lead them down a darker path than what they intended mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think I can kind of tie this all together in that like what this first episode does a really good job of doing is showing that these are all like flawed people but giving us just enough backstory to sympathize with them and like care about what happens to them and not immediately discount anybody as soon as the rest of the story starts getting revealed and it kind of just like you could go back and rewatch the series and see a lot of foreshadowing in the first episode just subtle things that you would never realize on the first watch but that like perfectly set up some of the big twists that happen later even though this is a real true story yeah exactly like you don't know what will happen but then like rewatching it you really see what they really highlighted in the first episode yeah yeah, and then after we get introduced to John Finley, like Abby said, we see that Joe Exotic started to go to schools to talk about drug and alcohol abuse because his brother died because of a drunk driver. And then he brings the Tigers into it, and then it beca- becomes a magic show. And then he starts doing the mall tours, which were kind of unsafe because it was just a bunch of people crammed up in one semi truck. And then he goes basically all across the Midwest from mall to mall, including the Holland Mall and the Grand Rapids Mall, which is where I'm from. I'm from Holland, and then uh, I know three out of five of us are from Grand Rapids. So actually, my cousin went to these shows and has Joe Exotic's signature somewhere in his house because (laughs) he met Joe Exotic at these mall tours. Oh my god. Which is crazy. I'm talking about foreshadowing. Yeah. (laughs) You can sell that for a lot of money, probably. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy that even, like, maybe, like, 10 years ago, even the West Michigan people got swept up into the madness before we even knew it, uh, which is crazy. 
until it got stopped by Carol Baskins, which apparently we were one of the last stops on this tour before it all got stopped because Carol had people following Joe and then like messaging the malls being like, do not let them come here. They are abusing these tigers. And then they eventually stopped. I personally found the mall tours to be kind of one of the most inhumane depictions of how they were treating the tigers just like the the setup in the malls and then like the transportation of them combined even with like how the workers were treated like oh, thank yeah. god like it stopped sooner than later yeah the mall tours were awful and I, so sad they were just like lying in their cages on a mall floor and like that's another one of those things another situation where i think that the uh, common theme is that these people make these decisions and they claim like oh we're doing it like for the tigers joe's like oh yeah we're gonna do this to make money to feed the tigers and and all this really he was doing that to make money for him just to make money right for himself and then carol's trying to stop it because she's like this is bad for the tigers like you know and and it is but really her intention isn't isn't that it's to stop Joe from doing what he's doing but also so like I think somebody said it and I agree with them that she it was Doc Antle he said that like she's just trying to take away the money from us and give it to herself and I agree with that I think that she really had intentions like her intentions weren't completely focused on the tigers like she claims mm-hmm. they are she yeah it was like under the guise of like oh I care about the tigers but, yeah like, she's lying to herself and to everybody else if yeah. like a part of it isn't obviously affected by her mutual hate for Joe, just like how he feels for her. Now he's more open about hating Carol <laughs> just for who she is. And like Carol, I, I feel like feels the same way. She's just not, she's just, you know, to seem all good and pure is like, oh, it's for the tigers and only the tigers. And it's like, we know it's not just for the tigers. Oh yeah. Go, go ahead, Matt. I think for Joe, it was as much about the money as it was about attention. I mean, the man, like, put on a magic show. He just, he was trying to feed his ego a lot with the whole thing, too. And I guess now with this show, he kind of got exactly what he's always wanted because he's a, like, international superstar. The magic was a fraud, too, because that one kid magician taught him all the stuff he knows. So that wasn't even real. Yeah, they gave him credit for just, like, a little portion of it. Yeah, it's Aung San Hero. Seriously? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what was name was it jp Self- I, I just watched it so it was something like that yeah and then uh saf said too that a lot of their winter funds came from those mall tours so i did feel kind of bad because they were like how are we supposed to feed the cats if we don't have that money and it did kind of spiral him to start um you know like trying to figure out alternative ways to pay pay for things and then that's kind of where as the show continues on you start to see the ways that he decides to do it and then I know we've talked about him but we haven't really talked about him we get introduced to the doc Bhagavan Antle who is Myrtle Beach South Carolina I've actually walked past his little setup that he has in an outlet mall in South Carolina Myrtle Beach it's really weird he his place has elephants tigers lions and cheetahs lots of it focuses a lot on tiger posing and petting and he features a lot of his animals in many movies such as mighty joe young ace ventura and the britney spears mtv performance in which she had a snake around her he was in the back uh, maintaining the snake so 
which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Brittany, I'm sure you didn't know it was happening. <laughs> you are a good person. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> You're not mad, Brittany. It was a rough year. <laughs> We're also not mad at Shaq. Shaq, you're in episode one. We're not mad at you, oh, Shaq. Oh, yeah, Shaq. Yeah, he yeah, went to Zoo Exotics Zoo. Yeah. Shaq, just, forgive you. Yeah. Shaq, I you like, cut ties with him. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like it's just interesting, too, because just seeing those celebs there prove that, like, I think there were a lot of people that went there, famous or not, and just looked like, oh, cool, and then didn't even think twice kind of about, like, is this right? Is this a good thing to have? And they just were like, this is cool, and walked away and didn't think about it again. Yeah. They kind of like tried the least to make us empathize with Doc. Like they don't they don't really do a whole lot to get the audience on his side. And yeah. is he? Mm-hmm. Like, he literally I, yeah. one of the first things they show of like Doc's little part is him directing the director. And that's my favorite thing. Which like I thought it was so thing. Funny how they taped that and showed it because doc's like all right so i'm gonna answer the door and be like hey how's it going guys and you guys are gonna come in my house and then he does that (laughs) yeah Uh the best footage the best footage of episode one though has to be carol just aimlessly innocently riding her bike around her tiger park just like looking up to the sky not a worry in the world crown of flowers on her head and then it and then it cuts to scenes of them going you know, Carol Baskin is a piece of shit. Yeah, but I looked up the prices for Doc Antle's uh, little zoo. Um, people, uh, just for one person, uh, without any professional photos, it's just like a simple tour, $339. One person, and it's uh, ages six and under, are free though. So if you're six and under, you're good. Like they can remember it. Yeah, I, I tried to look up the, like, ones where they can swim with the tigers, but that's based on personal booking, so you have to reach out to them to get a price quota. Okay, tigers are not meant to swim, folks. Here's the plan. We find, we find 100 six-year-olds, we charge them each $3, and then one adult chaperone, and then one of us can go for free. That's actually kind of smart. That's not a bad idea. But, yeah, I, that's... That's crazy, the the money they charge. But it also, like, kind of coincides and makes sense then when they start talking about, like, how much it takes to feed just one tiger. And that's not including upkeep of the facility, of other things that they have to do. So it's, like, as crazy as the prices are, once you see the prices of that, it kind of levels out and it makes more sense. Yeah, like, it's good that you brought up the feeding. I did write this down that Joe Exotic said that his price for feeding his tigers is $3,000 a tiger. But then Doc Antle said that his price for his feeding his tigers are $10,000 a tiger. I think that really quickly raised questions about how Joe treated his tigers, Mm -hmm. like right off the bat, Um, especially because you you also get to see comparisons of the two different zoos that Doc runs and that Joe runs. Doc's looks more like a commercial zoo that you'd see, like Detroit Zoo or I have no clue what, what your Grand Rapids Zoo is, if there is one. There's a Lansing yeah, Zoo I've ever been there. But it, def- it definitely looks like a, a couple steps above the mm-hmm. trailer park, industrial park, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Exotic Zoo. It does look like a little, like, utopia. It seems like there's wide, 
open places for the animals to run. He has it's like Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And I was based on the price that he's charging these people. I was surprised to see so many people in attendance. How do these people have money? Mm -hmm. uh, you have a career. Uh, reach out to me and let me know what it is. And Honestly, <laughs> like that's the other thing too is when you really think about it, it's like classes because they're like, oh, like we're doing this to educate people. Like if we can bring in domestic, if we can domesticate these wild animals, first of all, when someone says that already something wrong off the bat, you shouldn't be domesticating a wild animal, but whatever. Yeah. Um, he's like, we can teach them about it and then they can care about it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if they can't afford to see them in person and they don't want to stand in mm -hmm. a crowded zoo for whatever, then yeah. Yeah. you're not really doing You're again, again, just proves another point they are just trying to make money they don't care about the animals you're only teaching the people privileged enough to have the money to go there and i think yeah. it's funny because this is a very small thing i don't even know if it was the first episode or not but there was like a passerby who was visiting the zoo i think it was doc's zoo and they asked and he's like oh man we loved it and he's like we've been here three times and it was like their second time that week that they yeah. had come there yeah. that week and according to like maddie's prices depending on what they got because i think they got photos it's 300 plus a day but they might have just gone to the little outlet mall they have because the little outlet mm -hmm. thing they have is basically you go in you can either like play with the tigers or get a picture with the tigers but i'm sure it's still like a hundred dollars at least easy yeah it has to be yeah that's crazy but yeah, Doc Antle, as we get to know him, he becomes a little bit more skeezier and skeezier. Uh, again, we won't spoil anything, but his story is very interesting as well. Absolute dirtbag. Yeah, a dirtbag. More to come. And last mm -hmm. time I heard, I heard as of like end of March, the place was still open for tours because he said that social distancing can happen because there's acres and acres of field. So not following guidelines Scummy. that no. makes sense with everything else that he's done so yeah, i can't right? say i'm super surprised that. that he decided to do that and i think it's it was smart of the filmmakers like maddie said to include those segments where you see doc directing people because i feel like that already tells the audience like he's fake and so it's kind of foreshadowing just who yeah. he is he is as a person and what's revealed later on Right. I won't be surprised if he is no longer involved in any Hollywood movies or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see him being blacklisted for sure, potentially, from yeah. at least people who want to yeah, be ethical. <laughs> yeah, who care? Okay, but then again, I can also see him still being used because a lot of people probably don't care. Yeah. But yeah, and then we get the end of the episode starts showing incidents where tigers have been deliberately set loose based on like private zoos and private ownership and they showed like in ohio that happened where 40 cats were released deliberately and they had to like shoot all of them and it was really sad and some people died and so joe obviously has a problem with the law enforcement and how that happened so it just makes you wonder like people should not be keeping these people, these tigers in captivity. It's just... When they showed... I Honestly, I'm a very, like, sensitive person when it comes to animals. So I didn't skip over some of that, like, when they showed the zoom-in of all the animals laying on this guy's farm, like, dead. Because I just don't think... It is so unfair that all of them had to be killed just because some guy decided that he was going to keep them all and then release them. Like, these... Um, animals' lives were taken away for really no purpose. Mm -hmm. It's not their fault they were released. They didn't know how to be, you know, like they were released in an environment that 
they're not supposed to be released in and they're just roaming and everyone's freaking out and so everyone kills them like it makes mm-hmm. sense but also it's like geez like th- mm-hmm. what how is that fair to it them? is kind of crazy to think about not only him but like anyone else who owns these big cats has a capability of not only as this show like hurting the cats but also hurting any innocent bystanders who the cats might encounter like it hurts everybody who's involved if like this situation would potentially happen again which is obviously a possibility for whoever privately owns these like big cat yeah it's extremely possible being is sort of like a foreshadowing metaphor almost it's like you know when you're like reading a book or watching a movie or something and uh a storm starts and you're like okay this is symbolizing like something bad is coming something bad is on the way and it's the same way with this ending of people who own tigers misusing that power and it ending up in like danger for humans and tigers yeah it was just like telling us all giving us a sense to dread like something bad is definitely on the horizon yeah and then uh the episode wraps up by showing joe taunting carol on his little show with birthday snakes in the mailbox and threats and then we (laughs) fast forward to 2019 with joe in jail and saying it ends like the last uh thing that joe says in the episode is just i'm gonna shut everybody down so that's like a big threat in itself and then that's when the episode stops so i feel like that's a good ending for like people to get hooked on and to keep watching obviously to see like the relationship between him and carol evolve and i'm really glad i kept watching because every episode it's crazier than the last Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really, honestly, you don't think it can go any further, and then it does, and you're just stuck sitting there, like, there's no way that this is a real-life thing that happened, and mm-hmm. it is, all yeah. of it. Like, for anyone who hasn't seen the show yet, I would say about halfway through the second episode is when things really start to escalate for the first time, and you're like, oh, hang on, this is becoming a completely different story with every scene. Yeah, exactly. Like, again, it starts shifting from the focus of tigers to the focus of the characters and the people that it's affecting and who own them. And it just starts, like, starts spiraling. And there's so many instances where you're like, this is crazy. Uh, How did I not know about this before this documentary came out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even just speaking on the ending that you shared, I feel like it was kind of a smart way to end the episode. Like, it's a very small thing, but it's crazy enough that a normal person usually wouldn't do that so it keeps you hooked and like matt says it's kind of foreshadowing like it's a very small crazy thing but like if you think that's a lot just wait and it gets crazier it also like kind of reminds you that this is a true crime podcast or podcast I mean, it kind of <laughs> this is like a true crime documentary like after watching just that first episode you wouldn't necessarily describe it like that but all things considered it's definitely a uh, like crime documentary yeah definitely. yeah i was gonna say the same thing it, it does the series does a really good job of keeping you engaged from episode to episode and even though it's kind of sporadic it, it kind of strings it along you know properly and i just want to say that like now that the show is over uh jeff Lowe, uh a character we get introduced to later he announced that there will be another episode coming out in the next coming weeks so I am very excited to get a kind of wrap up on everything that's happening with everybody currently. And then also Joe Exotic, while he's in prison, supposedly has coronavirus. So uh, get well soon. 
I don't want to condone his actions. We <laughs> also don't want to wish him death. <laughs> That's why I guess is we are not Joe. <laughs> <laughs> because we do not wish people death like Joe. No. Uh, no. So get well. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Any final thoughts from you guys to kind of wrap things mm-hmm. up? Uh, if you haven't already hopped on the bandwagon, do it. Um, uh, this is definitely an entertaining show, and it's worth the watch. And even though the episodes are like an hour long, it's manageable too. That I think it's pretty easy to get through as well. And just I think everyone will enjoy each episode. One thing that I wish I really would have paid attention to, and again, we talked, we touched on it here, and they touch on it at the end of the series too. But um. Being that we've all already seen it, we can give this advice. Uh, try and keep the animals in mind. Like, that was something that, that they were going to try and focus on, and they didn't. And I think that that's kind of what the whole point should have been in the, in the end, because they really are treated inhumanely a lot of the time. And uh, And you know what? And it also, like somebody said earlier, leads to the treatment of the workers and everything like there's a lot of just um unethical situations going on yeah i think i you know they focus on that point less and less and more on the people and less on the tigers as episode to episode goes on so i i agree even you know ethical situations as well there's kind of some interesting underlying things that kind of appear even like amongst the characters that you know it might not be as innocent of a situation as you thought it'd be you know at these different zoos and stuff. There's there's more to consider. Matt, anything to add? I guess my closing thoughts would be, I think it's crazy that like, probably the best water cooler conversation topic of the last several years just came out during a time when no one can even like, go to the water cooler, go to work <laughs> and talk about it. <laughs> That's a good point. So I'm glad we have this podcast to mm-hmm. be our water cooler. Yeah, yes. that could be episode, that could be the title of this episode. Virtual water cooler. The, the, the water cooler. <laughs> water cooler. The water cooler talk you wish you could have. <laughs> so yeah, thank you all for tuning in to Social Night. This has been Tiger King, the pilot episode, and we'll see you next time.